I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Really made it sound like I have a lot of exes. Yeah, it did. And that's, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, that's the problem with the spoken word business. You speak a lot of words, you're eventually going to catch yourself up. But then it also sounds like you, you know, you've enjoyed your life. You've had a good time. Nothing wrong I, with I had a good time. I didn't, uh, I didn't meet my husband until a little bit later in life. So there you go. I didn't get married had to fill until the time, my late right? 30s. Had to fill the time. I'm just saying, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I had, I had, I had my day there, Joe. I have no regrets. I wish them well. The couple that exist, you know, them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the complete opposite. I just tried to keep it tight, <laughs> close to the vest my whole life. I met my love. We got married. Right, That's course, really all I have to say about that. And yeah. if she's listening, which we know she's not. She thinks that's a whole lord of right, horse. Right. She's the love what. of your life. She's the only woman you've ever loved. Blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Yada, yada. Your first, your last, your everything. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. And all you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio to listen to us. It is that simple. So some interesting stuff happening in the NBA offseason. We're what, like 48 hours past uh, the NBA season? And now we're in the offseason. And man, is it in full swing with the rumor mill already, Joe Fortenbaugh. Zion Williamson's time in New Orleans may be cut short. What does that mean for this upcoming draft? What does that mean for potential landing destinations for Zion Williamson? Is this real? We will get into all things Pelicans and Zion Williamson in just moments. But first, Joe is going to do what he does best. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Quick accounting here. 2-0 yesterday, plus 2.22 units. Overall, 141 wins, 131 defeats, one tie. For a show, up 10.69 units. The reason we're coming right out of the gate with this, it starts in five minutes. It's the Red Sox. It's the Rockies. We're betting, yes, that there will be at least one run scored in the first inning. It's minus 135. Left-hander Austin Gomber is going to go for the Rockies. 7.57 ERA. He's allowed 11 earned runs in 13 first innings pitched. This season, Boston sends righty Garrett Whitlock to the mound. He's been all right, but his ERA is just short of five. Winds blowing out to left field at about 10 mile an hour. So the first pizza money of the evening, and we've got a lot of them for you, especially in regards to tomorrow's U.S. Open Championship. It is, yes, there will be at least one run scored in the Red Sox-Rockies game. Minus 135 is your price. There's been some feel out there that the Pelicans want to move up in this draft. You don't have to be a next-level genius to realize that if they want to move way up in the draft, you're looking at potentially making Zion Williamson available. Zion Williamson is better than Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. I mean, that's the reality of it. But it's just a matter of the ability to stay healthy. He's unavailable far too often. And if I can turn this into someone else's problem, I do it. There's a weight clause in it that he has to be under 295 pounds. That says that your team doesn't trust you to stay in shape. 
Zion Williamson's time in New Orleans so far has been interesting and disappointing. I think it's very fair to say disappointing. Interesting because when we have seen him play, Joe, he looks generational. He lives up to the height. But we just hardly ever see that guy play basketball. And that's the problem. This past season, he hurt himself with a hamstring strain on January 2nd, missed the remainder, the entire remainder of the season. He missed the entire 2021-22 season, recovering from that surgically repaired right foot fracture, plus all the other injuries in between that I haven't even mentioned. And this is after he signed a five-year, $193 million max contract with the Pelicans that goes up to $231 million in July if, in fact, he makes uh, you know some more teams and whatever, all-star, all that stuff. So the point is, when it comes to Zion Williamson, he's missed a whole lot of time from basketball. And now there's some fallout from his personal life. We're not going to get into it. You can Google it, kids. You'll find it. It's very easy to find. The point is that there's a lot of drama and a lack of availability. And so the Pelicans are maybe in a position where they would consider moving on from a guy that when he is on the court, he looks like a generational player. Brian Winhorst was on Get Up. He was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max today. He was talking a lot about this all over our airwaves today. And he said on KJM that the Pelicans may consider moving on so they can move up in the draft. There's been some feel out there that the Pelicans want to move up in this draft. They have the 14th pick right now and that they may want to move up in this draft. And I I think it would be premature say that they've made any offers of players. I don't want to go that far, but obviously you don't have to be a next level genius to realize that if they want to move way up in the draft, you're looking at potentially making Zion Williamson available. That would be a fascinating decision. Mm. But if the Pelicans are serious about moving up, I think it must be something that they're considering. So considering moving up, if you want to move up all the way to two, which is what the rumors say, then you're going to have to be willing to trade away your biggest asset, right? That contract's ugly. It's not one that most teams are going to be particularly interested in right now because of his lack of availability. But again, Joe, we're talking about a dude that when we have seen him play, it looks generational. I'm doing it. This is what it's really? all about. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're, you know, unless you're like Milwaukee, right? If you're at the top and you're only a couple tweaks away, you don't need to mess with this. There are a handful of teams that don't need to get involved. But I mean, if you're Indiana, Washington, Charlotte, Detroit, one of these nothing franchises that draws no ratings, no eyeballs, no interest whatsoever, and Zion Williamson is out there, this is exactly what the book Soccernomics is about. If you've never read it, check it out. It's a fantastic read all about how certain teams in European soccer find ways to compete with very low budgets. If it sounds familiar, it's very similar to what we saw with Moneyball from Michael Lewis at the turn of the century when that book came out regarding the Oakland Athletics. Getting ahead of the curve. If you don't have a lot of money, if you don't have great resources, you got to find a way to get good players for cheap. How do you do that? Something's wrong with the good player. He's either down on his luck, he's either gone off the path, he's injured all the time, and those are the guys you can take a shot on. When Zion's on the court, 
for his career, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 3.6 assists per game, shooting 60% from the floor. And in the NBA, what's five years, $194 million on an extension? Is that that big of a deal? Especially if he shows up in your town, plays 40 or 50 games, and posts those numbers. If you get tired of his antics and the fact that he can't stay on the court, you would then be able to move him to some other team that would be willing to take a shot. Because the thing is, it doesn't appear as if he's like this bad, dangerous dude who could get hung up in some criminal case. He's just a guy that gets hurt, and he's a prime candidate for a change of scenery. So I think it's a great buy-low opportunity out there, given what we've seen and given the rumors that maybe it's just not the right fit in New Orleans. Well, here's the problem. He's a guy who gets hurt, but he's not just a dude who gets hurt with durability concerns. He's a dude who gets hurt with rumors swirling around him that he doesn't take care of himself that well. So that feels like a problem to me. Now, potentially maybe a fixable problem. So maybe if you're a team with a good athletic training staff and Zion is so oft injured is because he doesn't take care of himself. Maybe you're thinking we could get him to take care of himself, right? Like that's a correctable problem rather than just his body breaking down because he's not built to play basketball, which would be the alternative there. So maybe teams are looking at that. If you're the Pelicans though, that's got to be why you're willing to move. It can't just probably be that you have this guy and he's injured a lot. And it feels like to me that the Pelicans are considering doing this, are considering moving on, targeting a guy like Scoot Henderson in the draft, trading all the way up to get him and moving on from their Zion Williamson pick because they've lost hope that he's either A, ever going to take care of himself well enough to stay healthy or B, that it's just not possible no matter how well he takes care of himself. And then C, there's the other additional factor now of, you know, some extra drama there off the court in his personal life, which listen, Joe, if that factors in, I mean, what, what player doesn't have drama in their personal life? Who amongst life? us does not bring drama to the table? You sound I just like talked you have about my exes. Drama. Lots right of drama coming from uh, South Florida, from what <laughs> I understand. All sorts of drama in my 20s. Come on, let's go. Zion Williamson has drama in his personal life. He's a very young man. A lot of these athletes have drama in their personal life. I don't know why that would be the catalyst for the New Orleans Pelicans trading him away. But I do wonder if these issues with him and the injuries and him not taking care of himself and all that, if it's just become too much. And like you said, maybe a change of scenery is necessary and they've seen another target in this upcoming draft that they feel like it's worth moving on for. It's interesting when we look back on that draft because you had Zion Williamson and then you had John Morant. And right now, both of those guys, like if I'm asking you who won that draft today, who what, who's your answer right? today? On June 14th, 2023, who won that draft with Zion and Ja? It's not an easy thing to unpack right now with how things have gone with both of those players, Ja as of late. So I'm throwing it out to you. Triple H, say ESPN. We're going to get Joe's answer on the other side as well. Let me know who won that draft. Triple H, say ESPN. Would you rather right now today have Zion Williamson on your team or Ja Morant on your team? 888-729-3776. We will get to that and get to your phone calls next. Joe and Amber, the podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So the New Orleans Pelicans may be looking to move on from Zion Williamson in order to trade up in this upcoming NBA draft. That's got a lot of people talking across our airwaves. Also, a lot of people remembering that 2019 draft. Zion goes number one. Ja Morant goes number two. Who won that draft out of the Pelicans or the Grizzlies? It's not an easy thing to decide right now, all these years later. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Joe, normally we have a pretty cut and dry answer, right? I mean, four years removed from a draft, we're like, all right, it's pretty easy to determine who won the draft four years later. Here, who won that draft in your mind, if I make you decide today? Okay, so it's just between those two. We're not using anyone else, obviously, right? It's, it's well, the listen, Pelicans, I mean, number one, Zion, right. Grizzlies, number two, John Morant. Because Knicks might have won that draft. They take R.J. Barrett at number three. They end up not at the top of that draft like they had hoped. We are going to get to your phone calls on this in just a moment, by the way, if you want to join the conversation. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. But no, let's just keep the conversation right now to those two teams. I would say the Pelicans won that draft. And the main reason for that is the way the question's phrased. If the question's phrased, who would I rather have? I would rather have John Morant. I can make a case for that. But in terms of who won the draft, it feels like as much as the Grizzlies got out of John Morant, they didn't get a championship. They really just had a little bit more success than the Pelicans may have. But ultimately, what does it matter? Four years after these guys came to town, you both produced the same thing. No titles, no final appearances, no major noise in the postseason, although the Grizz did a little bit more. But I think the Grizz realized they're cooked with Morant. Like, it's probably time to move on from him. I don't know how much they're going to get in return. They got this big suspension looming. They've got a major problem. The Pelicans could still, A, find a way to make it worth with work with Williamson, in my opinion. But if that doesn't work, I think they're going to get a much bigger return on their investment than the Grizzlies would on Morant. So ultimately, who won the draft? I would say the Pelicans, but it's really neck and neck. It's a photo finish, as they say. But if I asked you, who would you rather have on your team? Who would you rather have today on the Philadelphia 76ers, which is your team? That John Morant's not even a question. Not not even a question. With Zion, there's two concerns. Number one, injuries. Number two, does he care? Those are two problems that can bubble up and burn me. With Morant, I've seen the talent. 
But this last year has been very, very difficult for him in terms of all of the bad decisions he's been making. If you get him involved in a good culture and this upcoming suspension wakes him up and he just goes back to what we've seen, you're in great shape with John Moran. You just need to hope he grows up. Williamson has to grow up and he has to stay healthy and he has to stay in shape. There are more problems there to deal with. I just think a team making a trade would be willing to give up more for Zion than Ja. But if I was bringing someone in, I'd be more interested in acquiring Morant than Williamson. I would say they right now both have work ethic concerns, right? Different versions of work ethic concerns. It's very well said. Ja making <laughs> really silly decisions, to put it mildly. Zion, his work ethic concerns are more about his ability to stay in shape and take care of himself. You don't have that same concern with jaw, but you have some questionable decision-making with jaw and maybe have some questionable decision-making with Zion as well. So maturity may be an issue for both of those guys all these years later. I think if I was choosing who won that draft right now today, I would still say the Grizz because they've gotten so much more out of John Morant and they had the second pick in that draft. The Pelicans could have chosen either guy and they went with the guy who they really haven't gotten anything out of so far. And you're right to your point. Maybe ultimately it's the better investment, but he's a number one pick and a number one pick. You're not expecting to be in a position where four years later, after giving him the rookie max extension, you're considering trading him because things aren't working out. Let's get to your phone calls. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's how you join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. Trey, Trey is in Florida. Hey, Trey, thanks for the call. What are your thoughts? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, I've never disagreed with anybody more than what Joe just said. I mean, at least we've seen what Ja can do. We know that Ja, when he's on the court, he is one of the greatest, most explosive players that you've, that you've seen, especially for the size that he is. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm right on this stat or not, but didn't Zion play more games at Duke than he's played in the NBA since he's been there? I mean, <laughs> he hasn't proven anything. So for me, I mean, Ja is, is just an easy hands-down pick. I feel like Ja just needs a better, more stable situation. Everybody's talking about Dame to Miami. How about send Ja down to Miami, let him blend in the heat culture, help Jimmy, and then we'll win next year and we'll be able to stop those, those nuggets. How about that? Well, first off, I completely agreed with you that Ja would be the better player. But when it comes to winning the draft, neither one of them won. There's no answer to that where it comes out that Zion and the Pelicans won over the Grizz or the Grizz and Ja won over the Pelicans. Both have major problems on their hands. Neither has won a title. It is a tie. Neither team has done better than the other since they've had that Memphis draft. has made more noise, though, than the well, Pelicans have mean? gotten to. What does that the help mean? Of Zion. With the help of Zion. With the help of Zion. Because the Pels actually made a little noise. But with the help of Zion. But who cares? Zion hasn't been available to them at all. I do think that you could make the argument that Jaws problems are fixable, right? Now, whether he's going to fix them is a different story. But Jaws problems are fixable. Zion, we don't know if they are. Because it could just be that his body is not made to play NBA basketball, right? It's possible that his body is just going to break down on the professional level and that he's not going to be able to stay on an NBA basketball court. Whereas at least with Jaw, you have the hope that the decision-making and maturity can improve here and that he could fix the problems that lately have been an issue throughout this past season. We'll continue to take your phone calls on this subject 
Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plus, what was it like at the reverse boycott in Oakland? Joe and Amber, the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. And things are getting very, very bizarre in the city of Buffalo. Stefan Diggs, no practice yesterday. He's on the field today. Sean McDermott, the head coach, cancels practice for tomorrow. And everyone's trying to get to the bottom of what is going on for a team that is supposed to be contending for a Super Bowl this season. That story's coming up in 28 minutes, top of the hour, 8 p.m. Eastern. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Time to make you some money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. We head to the diamond where we are anticipating the Tampa Bay Rays absolutely annihilate the Oakland Athletics tonight after what happened last night. So it's an alternative run line. We're betting that the Tampa Bay Rays minus two and a half runs, meaning they win by three or more runs tonight, even money over Oakland. Fantastic story out of Oakland. Seven straight wins. Worst attendance in baseball. The only team drawing fewer than 10,000 people per game. But a reverse boycott last night brings 28,000 people out to the Cali. The A's are stoked. They play like it's the last game of the season and they're trying to get into the playoffs. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays and now they're going to come out tonight and it is going to be a big emotional letdown with an empty stadium. The pitching matchup is very much in my favor as well. Tampa Bay 14 and seven off a loss this season. Pizza money number two. Rays minus two and a half runs. Even money over the Athletics. The A's have won it. On a night of incredible emotion and with the unprecedented nature of the night, the Oakland A's, the raucous crowd behind these players tonight, have beaten the Tampa Bay Rays by the final of 2-1. to one. Never bet against the team on a reverse boycott. That's what we always say here in Las Vegas. Let's go to the Bay Area. Longtime Bay Area sports personality, a legend in both his own right and in the minds of many others. You can catch him now hosting the Damon Bruce Show on YouTube. Damon Bruce joining Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. What's up, buddy? Been to any good fish shows lately? Joe Amber, three nights at the Greek, killer tweezer into a simple. It was big. You know all about it. Uh, I had the over. You did, too, the overhead. It was fantastic. How are you? And you made it all the way through these shows, from what I understand. 
<laughs> Actually, maybe. Yes, I did. You know, getting older, <laughs> learning limits. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a story for the other day. All right, let's start with the atmosphere at the Coliseum last night. 28,000 people show up for a reverse boycott. Let's start with that. What is a reverse boycott? Well, it, it, it's a huge middle finger to John Fisher, and really bigger than just John Fisher, Major League Baseball, that's trying to make an argument that there isn't a fan base out here to nurture a baseball team. When the truth is, there isn't a baseball team out here to nurture a fan base. I mean, we're talking about a level of evil ownership that you got to trace back to you know, early baseball racist owner days to find a worse owner than John Fisher. He's systematically gone about disintegrating the roster, the stadium, the fan base, its own media presence within its own media market. I mean, it is. It, if you were trying to destroy the viability of a baseball team, John Fisher has given you the playbook on how to do it. And so after driving away fans, and we continue to say, why would fans show up to an abusive relationship? You know, I, I give A's fans a lot of credit for saying enough is enough. This guy is everything that we don't want to give our money to. They picked one night, a Tuesday night on the calendar, which just happened to correspond with the Nevada vote when it was all said and done, which just happened to run into the first winning streak that this team has really had of any kind all season. And it was a playoff atmosphere. There were maybe 30,000 people, like you said. There were another 30,000 ghosts and memories sitting in there, too. It was joyous. It was sad. It was tragic. It was... It was all the emotions that you can have, and that gave the game like a playoff feeling. So, it, look, I've, I've been to a lot of games, Joe, at the Collie. You know that? I have been. And, and last night was a special one. It, it gave you the chills. It really did. And, and what is happening to this fan base and what Major League Baseball is about to let happen to a baseball team and franchise is, is really awful. It is. As a longtime Miami girl, Damon, the Marlins fan would like the A's fan to hold its beer. But as somebody who did spend so many years down in Miami dealing with the Miami Marlins, I certainly have a lot of sensitivity towards this story that's happening out in Oakland. And the 28,000 fans the atmosphere, a celebratory atmosphere in a way, in a way, but it was almost more like a wake, right? Like a funeral. Were the fans happy that they went through it? Because I was reading some quotes from fans saying that this is actually making it worse, that now that I've had this experience and I've seen how much passion there could be in this town if ownership hadn't run this thing to the ground and pushed us all away, now I'm almost more sad about what what's happening with the state of affairs with the team it looks like heading to Las Vegas. I mean, Amber, we're talking about the word triggering, right? I mean, it triggered a lot of emotions for people. And what turned what was planned to be sort of a joyous, we're still a great community atmosphere really did turn into a sense of, of anger. Not that they were there, but an anger that everything that they cared about is being taken away. Like not only is John Fisher robbing current A's fans, of memories, but future A's fans, if this team is really to move to Vegas, will all be robbed of this experience. You know, I, I asked a lot of fans, who brought you to your first game? Who brought you to your first A's game? And, and as you would expect, the answer was often my mom, my dad, a family member, a grandparent. And you could hear the lump in people's throats as they started to talk about it. 
and realize that this might be something unavailable for them to pass down to their children. And that is a very powerful memory. I mean, nostalgia is an incredibly powerful drug, and people were bathing in it, and a few overdosed in it last night. And I think that's where, you know, I, I don't know if anyone really regrets being there. They just regret the situation that brought them there in the first place. Damon Bruce, host of the Damon Bruce Show on YouTube, joining us now on Joe and Amber. In some small way, Damon, do you feel like this is Joe Fortenbaugh's fault because he went from the (laughs) Bay Area to Las Vegas? There's a lot of things up here that Joe ruined. Let's be totally honest about that. There's, there, there, you know, it's, it's a break it, don't buy it type of guy that you're working with. No, look, we, we, we love Joe. We miss Joe up here. We're, we're thrilled that he has gone on to bigger and better things. I get to see him on TV. I get to uh, say, hey, look, uh, Daddy used to work with a guy like that to my kids, and they, they asked me about Uncle Joe and when they can go to Vegas to see him. And uh, it, you know, it, we, we love Joe out here. He's got a lot of fans still in the Bay Area, believe it or not. He must be paying them off in some backdoor deal. But uh, we, uh, we do. We miss Joe. We actually miss Joe. So hold on to your Joe Fortenbaugh's when you have them. They're precious resources, kind of like the Oakland A's. Just an incredible line of crap that if we were not on national radio right now, it would be a very different response you would have just gotten. Uh, let's go back to the John Fisher situation, when it comes to the politicians and everything, I mean, this always started over a stadium, a new stadium, Howard Terminal, Dave Cavill gets involved, one of the all-time great, as you would probably say, monorail salesman, trying to convince everyone of everything and lying through his teeth at virtually every single turn. What is there anything that can be done there short of Fisher selling the team or is he just on his way out the door? Because I don't know if any public money is going to be given for this. Is there any resolution? The worst feeling in the world is a feeling of helplessness, isn't it? Yeah. And that's how fans feel. They're they're completely helpless. And when it comes to Fisher, who won't even bother coming down from his inherited ivory tower, to speak with the media, much less the peons that he considers his fans and customers of the team that he owns. There's just no accountability. There's no ability to hold his feet to the fire. And really, you know, one of the overwhelming feelings of last night was, geez, this is really going to embarrass John Fisher on some level. Not at all. You can't shame the shameless. You really can't. And this man is shameless. He is devoid of talent, business acumen, he inherited every penny that he has born, you know, uh, born on third base, thinks he hit a triple to get there. And you can just see the clown show that was the presentation of the A's in the Nevada legislature, how still completely unprepared, ill-prepared, poor they are at their book presentation. How many times do you have to stand up in front of the class and get the same presentation about the stadium that you need and you're still this bad at it? How do we let this guy graduate? to another city. And what I can't believe, Joe, and this is maybe your fault. Again, this is where you, you ruin places you were and you ruin places you end up. <laughs> what is Las Vegas doing? If you could, So the only thing Vegas needs to do is wait for an expansion franchise. They are a thousand percent going to get one should baseball expand, and we all know that they will someday. Why not just wait and have it be of Las Vegas, born to the city like the Golden Knights, who I happen to notice are doing pretty well in the first six yeah. years of their existence. So, you know, I, I just think that it's, it's, it's such a wasted opportunity. There is this 
fertile sports ground that you are going to give to a man who kills the grapes while they're on the vine and then salts the earth so the vines die as well. I, I, I cannot believe any municipality anywhere, as desperate as they were for a major league team, would look at John Fisher and think there's a good faith business partner. We should be in business with that guy. All they need to do is wait. All they need to do is wait. And if you, you know don't mind I'm, me saying, who the hell wants the A's? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's <laughs> the vagabond A's, a fourth city, and it would be so hysterical. All right, you so know, we, we got out times here. You know that? We got right, out times here. I'm just glad that Bruce came around oh to figuring God. out a way to sort of blame you. I do. I, I am appreciative of that. That's something I'll but take the, up with him off the air. This is a radio show. This is not a monologue for your case to run for president <laughs> of the United States, which I know would go for like three hours. Although I, I'm well, glad you the brought only the thing I have left to say is subscribe to Damon Bruce Plus on YouTube and download the podcast. God told me the world needed another podcast, and so yes. I've delivered you one. And it is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. As are you, brother. Damon Bruce, longtime Bay Area sports personality and absolute legend. Check him out, The Damon Bruce Show, on YouTube. Thank you, buddy. Kisses. Thank you, kisses, you Bay Area short-timer. Amber, it was a pleasure to finally meet you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. There we go. Now, listen, Amber hasn't weighed in on this. I haven't weighed on the, in on this. Damon Bruce has set the table. The A's. Can it work in Oakland? Should it work in Oakland? Everything you just heard about owner John Fisher, should he still be in control of a team? That's coming up next. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Owner John Fisher has run the Oakland A's into the ground, pushed the fan base away, and after 55 years in Oakland, that fan base may be losing their baseball team, although they tried the reverse boycott last night to show that they do, in fact, exist. We will get to that ugly story in Oakland. Joe and I haven't gotten a chance to react to it. I specifically want to hear Joe's thoughts since he did spend so much time in the Bay Area. But first, Joe's got to bring you the advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Later tonight, the Los Angeles Dodgers are taking on the Chicago White Sox. You can make a bet specifically that Clayton Kershaw, the starting pitcher of the Dodgers, will record a win. That's it. It's not that the Dodgers will win. Clayton Kershaw has to get the win. It's a price of minus 115, which is fantastic. We add a little risk, but we bring down our liability because the Dodgers are minus 275 to win the game, which means risking $275 to win 100. We're only risking 115 to win 100 with a pitcher who has recorded 12 decisions in 13 starts. Kershaw's 8-4 and four this season. He's gone six innings or longer in nine of those 13 starts. The White Sox have the worst walk rate in baseball, so they're not working counts. 13th most strikeouts in baseball, 24th in runs per game. Clayton Kershaw to record a win, minus 115. Pizza money number three. 
Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So if you don't know the story of the Oakland A's, the A's make the postseason in 2019. They won 97 games that year. They make the postseason in 2020. Then John Fisher completely strips down that team, strips it down to the lowest payroll in all of baseball. He wants his stadium. The rich always want to get richer, right? This is the heir to the gap fortune, John Fisher. The team... And coinciding with stripping it down to give the fans nothing to watch, Joe, raises ticket prices. They do absolutely nothing to improve the fan experience, make the fan experience as terrible as it can be. And then they use the fact that the fans don't show up as the reason to justify the fact that they're going to need to leave the city of Oakland if, in fact, they don't get their big fancy ballpark that he's going for, that it seems like right now Las Vegas is willing to give him. And this, of course, all at the expense of generations of Oakland A's fans. So for those who want a very simple way of understanding what John Fisher, the owner of the A's, is doing, he's trying to do what the owner of the Cleveland Indians in the movie Major League tried to do. She wanted to form the worst possible team imaginable to drive the attendance rate so low that there would be no choice but to move the team. And ironically enough, she wanted to move it to Miami, where uh, you used to work and are located. So that's what Fisher's trying to do. And where the Miami Marlins have also been good at pushing the fan away exactly. in order to get their fancy ballpark, which they actually got. These This organization hey boy, is an absolute clown show with nothing but monorail salesmen parading around lying to you at every turn. I used to work on the flagship. It was the A's flagship station. The A's don't even have a flagship station anymore in the Bay Area. No one wants them. No one really wants to put them on the radio because they're not interesting enough because they don't win because they get rid of all their good players. But the fans would show up and they'd support it if you gave them an opportunity. So while I worked there, it was a contentious relationship because we didn't talk about them enough, at least in their eyes, because what was happening was in the same region, the San Francisco Giants had just won their third World Series in five years. That's what drew ratings. So they had to be talked about, obviously. This caused a problem for the A's. They used to be very, very upset that we didn't talk about them as much as we should have, but they gave you very little to work with. Fast forward to the point where they did, the, the relationship comes to an end. They're leaving the station. They send some people in to pick up their radio gear, and on the way out the door, they film a little bit on their phone of how they're removing the gear and leaving. Then they do a social media post that they put up that says, it's not us, it's you. Like letting the world know they had broken up with the radio station. Now ask yourself, would the New York Yankees ever do something like that? There's nothing more Bush League than the way the Oakland A's operate. And being here in Las Vegas, I don't want that franchise anywhere near, anywhere near this great state, this great city, this great region, unless it's under new ownership. Because that is a complete farce of a Major League Baseball organization with the way they handle their business. An absolute joke the way they treat people as well. It's why you had 28,000 people show up to the stadium, to the ballpark yesterday wearing cell shirts because, of course, that is the only option that they see is for John Fisher to sell the team because they desperately want new ownership. Now, as a Marlins person, I can tell you it doesn't always work out. The Marlins, okay this year, but let's be honest, it's not like once Jeffrey Loria left that the new ownership came in and started spending so much money because the problem is, again, you've pushed away the 
entire fan base. You've stripped everything down. You've lost complete trust of the entire fan base. It doesn't just all come storming back at the second that a new owner comes in. So that complicates things because the new owner is also looking at the revenue structure and doesn't have much motivation to come and spend more money because they're not making the money, but you got to spend the money to make the money. And really all of this should fall back to me on major league baseball because these franchises that go through these fire sales that give their fans terrible experiences year after year after year, and then point to the fans for not showing up. It feels like to me, major league baseball and Rob Manfred deserve a lot more criticism for allowing these things to happen in these cities for allowing the John Fishers of the world to come in. And what you're trying to do is you're bullying your way to Vegas to get your big fancy stadium. So then if you do sell the team like Jeffrey Laurie in Miami, you're about to make billions more off of it because you did all this pushed away the A's fan. And again, at the expense of a built-in fan base that has had their baseball team for 55 years. The great grift up there is that they have tried to convince everyone forever that it is a small market team. Mm -hmm. The Bay Area has like over 10 million people. It's not a small market by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the Warriors, who shows up for them, you know? Right. Small market there in the Bay Area. But bad ownership will do that. We'll turn any market into a small market. Coming up next, it's only the preseason, but the drama in Buffalo has dominated the offseason so far. We'll get to that next. Joe and Amber, the podcast.